Talo for lover and thanks for tuning in to the Wavemakers podcast. Please note this episode comes with a trigger warning as we discuss suicide, self-harm, overdose and mental health. The safety of our listeners is paramount. If you need to talk, please reach out to your loved ones or you can free call or text 1737 to talk to a trained counsellor 24-7. Eletu fa'amaunga se No one stands alone like an island. My name is Anaru My name is Jana Pach, and this is the Wavemakers Podcast. Tato ete iwi kite wiki o te reo Māori e wai marie māua ko Jana ki te kōrero ki tēnei ngaru toa i te rangi nei ko ia tētehi o ngā rangatira o a pōpō nō kawerau. He tangata whai ora ia hoki a kua whakatina na ia i tōna ake ingoa i ngā tau kua pahure o tira e te manuwhere tēnā koe nau mai hare mai whakatau mai hoki. No matter who you are or what you do for a living, you should always help others whenever you can. If everyone pitches in, no matter what they do, big or small, it has the power to change another person's life for the better. These words are from our special guest, Fiora Patrick, who is from Kawaro in the Bay of Plenty and is a youth leader, a mother, a mental health advocate, suicide attempt survivor, motivational speaker, writer, storyteller and change maker, or in this context, a wave maker. Welcome to our Wave Makers podcast, Fiora. Thank you, Anaru and Yana. Um, kia ora. Hi, everyone. My name's Fiora Patrick. Um, as Yana was saying, I'm based here in Kowaro. Um I have many hats. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I have many hats. Um, but I guess the important ones are probably, you know, that I'm a mum, a young mum, based here in Kowaro, uh, with my daughter and our son on the way. And I'm also a youth worker and a mental health advocate. So, yeah. Nice one. Thanks, Fiora. Um, so just to begin with, North Fierke, where are you from and, and your whanau? Um, so I'm originally from a smaller community called uh, Marata, which is pretty much here in the Eastern Bay of Plenty as well. Um, so... When I was little, my mum and I, we moved to Kawaro and I pretty much just grew up here. I went to school here, high school here. Um, when I finished high school, I was, you know, growing up in a little town, you kind of want to explore the world. So I kind of left home when I finished school at 18, uh, went off to study, um, get some experience out in the world, I guess you could say. But certain things had happened in my life um, when I was a young adult that kind of um, brought me back home to, I don't know, I guess to get my feet back on the ground um, and just to find myself again. So I've been here ever since. Um, I guess in a way you just can't 
leave home. I mean, you can leave Kawaro, but you can't take Kawaro out of you if you if you get what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and so, as you said, you wear many hats, um, but first and foremost, Fiora. Can you tell us about the meaning behind your name? Cool. Um, I get asked that question a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've I've come across a few me- meanings um, to my name. But one um, meaning that I really liked in particular that um, an older lady had told me about was that my name in particular means um, like the pursuit of life, I guess you could say. And so it's quite a strong name and it's a heavy name to carry. Mm. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think it's a nice name. I haven't met a lot of fielders out in the world. Um, I've met about maybe two. So, yeah, it's quite a unique name. So at the moment, uh, mental health and child poverty are two very big issues in Aotearoa. And um, you've experienced this firsthand uh, growing up in in Kawero. uh, And you've been brave enough to publicly share your personal story uh, to encourage and help others who are also facing similar challenges. Are you able to talk us through some of those personal challenges that you've faced in your life up until this point? Yeah, so um, I think a couple of years ago was when I first uh, publicly spoke about it. Um, I was invited to speak at a youth conference down in Wellington called Festival for the Future, uh, which is a national event held by um, Inspiring Stories. And so during that event, they have speakers from all across the country and the world who, you know, talk about topics such as, um, as you mentioned, child poverty, uh, mental health, um, the economy, uh, business leadership, um, what the world will look like in 20 years' time. And it's all from a youth perspective. So it's kind of a platform to help give young people a chance to uh, have their say, I guess. I guess you could put it that way and so um it was quite um I was quite nervous to actually speak um in front of a huge crowd so I didn't realize that there was going to be hundreds of people in the room I thought it was just going to be like a little school assembly but (laughs) there were um there were heaps of people in the crowd um all people of all different ages so we didn't just have young people in the room we had older generation, um, we had, you know, different ethnicities, um, people from different uh, backgrounds. But um, in a way, I guess I just had to remind myself to be myself and just to tell my story in the hopes that it might help at least one person in that room. And so for me in particular, I spoke about, um, I guess, in some shape or form, um, a lot of our people, our, our Māori people, we, we, we do struggle. Um, I'm not going to lie. You know, we struggle. Um, and I guess there's systems in place that um, kind of put us in that position the day we're born, if that kind of makes sense. Um, so we're automatically categorised based on the colour of our skin or based on the type of income our parents get. And so for me in particular, I was that child. Um, 
because my mum didn't work, there were things she couldn't get get for me. Um, there were school trips I had to miss out on, you know, and I guess at the time I didn't really mind being a kid because you don't think about those things. But um, as I got older, as I became a teenager, I realised that I didn't have the things that my friends had. Um, when it was a mufty day, I still went to school in my uniform because I couldn't even give $1 donation to be able to wear mufty clothes. And so those sort of, those little things, um, I know there's people that are worse off, but those little things, um, I guess for a young person can sort of damage their self-esteem, especially being a teenager, you know, at that age you're trying to find yourself um, and build up an identity and I guess in a way a reputation. And so all these factors kind of impacted my mental health as a, as a young as a young person. Um, there were other factors as well, but with, yeah, I guess in particular with child poverty, it's, I think a lot of people think that poverty is living in your car and that's about it, but it's, it's so much more complex than that, that um, you don't realise that, you know, there's a lot of people that are kind of living below the, what would you call it? I think it's, Something about the income line. So you've got the rich, then you've got, you know, our workers, then you've got um, down the bottom those who are struggling, um, our beneficiaries, and you know, stuff like that. So I feel like I'm just rambling on. So <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, not at all. <laughs> I think um, I think one of the things that you mentioned was kind of how um, your you living below the poverty line like you were mentioning that wasn't prevalent to you until you were until the schooling system made you realize it was that way and I think that's I mean that's a big issue right and uh, currently and recently in the media there was a lot of conversation around students leaving school so they could go to work um, and that was really kind of um, exasperated by COVID-19. What about the schooling system um, do you think needs to change from your perspective? Because that was where you identified a lot of the challenges for yourself, right? Mm. Yeah. Well, it's been a while since I've been at high school. <laughs> I think it's been about eight years since I've left high school. But um, even to this day, you know, um, working with young people who are, are still at high school, you know, you can see that there's still those gaps and there's still those saying um those same trends that are repeating and still happening since I was there. And um, I know that um, our government, they've done some amazing work um, with, you know, offering free lunches in school. I think that's really cool. Um, but I do think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. And it is hard because, um, you know, I I've come across so many people that would love to just rebuild the school system or majority of our systems in our country from the bottom up. But I guess in a way that's how do you break a system that's been happening for, I don't know, 20 odd years and repair it from brand new. I think in a way, um, if that was to happen, you know, um, do include young people, you know, our young people are the ones who are going to school. So they would probably have, the better answers to those sort of questions, like what needs to be 
um, implemented at school rather and what needs to be taken out. Like there's so many subjects that are just irrelevant at school right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I don't know what I would change. I don't know. There's just so much. I do. I do think they should teach mental health at school. At schools, though, I'll check that in. <laughs> yeah, totally. So I wanted to thank you for um for you know using your this time to kind of share some of your struggles because talking about mental health is something that we know is normal, especially in our cultures, Maori and, and Pacific Island cultures. It's super um, tapu or where or it's just not yeah. a place that we normally go. Um, and so I do kind of want to just go into that a little bit more because um, I and I'll say from a personal perspective, I also really struggled with my mental health during during those teenage years. Um, and you know what what did you find was your biggest struggle? Yeah, so um I guess um yeah, I had quite a colorful childhood, I'll just put it that way. Um yeah. and so but like I mentioned earlier, everything that had happened in my life, I thought it was normal. So, I thought it was normal to watch um, you know, um my family get drunk on the daily. I thought it was normal to be home alone at the age of 11, not knowing where anyone is, um, having to climb through the window to get inside because no one had been home to leave the door open for me. Um, you know, things like that. Um, I thought it was normal to have, like, all these late-night parties at my house when I was a kid, you know, and violence happening, fights happening outside. I thought it was all normal. I thought all the kids at my school went through the same thing. Uh, found out later on that no, it was just me <laughs> and a few others. But um, yeah, so when I got older, um, I guess in a way I didn't quite have um, the confidence and the self-esteem and that I should have had at that age. And I guess, you know, um, a lot of teenagers, you know, it's hard to be able to become confident and stuff like that but I was quite a timid child um due to some certain things that had happened in my life um and yeah so when I got older I just now looking back on it now that I'm older like an adult um I didn't quite love myself so I was always looking for love um as some teenage girls do <laughs> I was looking for love in the wrong places um I just wanted someone to be able to tell me that, you know, I meant something in the world. Um, and I guess at the time it was good while it lasted, but I still felt inside um, that emptiness, like, you know, and I was always at battle with my own mind. So sometimes it got so bad that I'd be sitting in class and, you know, I might hear a group of girls giggling in the corner of the classroom and they're probably not even giggling at me. You know, it's probably not even anything to do with me. They're probably just, you know, doing their own thing. But my mind would play tricks on me and start telling me things like, oh, they're probably laughing at you. They're probably laughing at your shoes, probably laughing at your haircut. And um, my brain would became my own enemy. And so I started to believe those things. And it got to the point where I started to self-harm, um, when I was 19, um, that's when I 
um, decided to try to take my life for the first time. Um, and that, that cycle just carried on for years and years and years. And I think it got to a point where I kind of just had enough of that cycle. So I, I knew that the only person that could kind of change and kind of take control was myself. So, like, I had to kind of retrain my brain and just try and not listen to those negative thoughts, if that makes any sense. Yeah, sorry. I, um, I'm feeling a little bit um, emotional oh, because, no, 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 it's fine. Uh, just because it totally rings a, lot of, um, rings a lot of bells for me. Um, and, again, I think that's why it's so important that we're having this conversation because it's not conversations that had enough. Um, and that actually, you know, there are so many really important things that you pointed out here. One is how, um, you know, poverty is one of the biggest issues that contributes to why, um, you know, the, we grow up with these experiences. Um, and then, you know, also the schooling system and, and you know, growing up as a teenager, um, there's, yeah, there's so many things in there. Um, so, again, thank you so much for being brave enough to share that because, you um, I'm, I'm super moved by it. Um, but what's important is what helped you overcome these challenges because you're doing such amazing things these days. Um, you know, what, what has helped move you through this, these parts of your life? Um, I guess, yeah, so as I um, mentioned before, um, I had to come to the realisation that the only person that could pull myself out of rock bottom was myself um you know you can wrap a whole support system around you um family friends uh professionals it's really good to have those support systems in place but at the end of the day the only person like this is what I've come to realize it's and it doesn't work for everyone but the for me I found out that the only person that could pull myself out from the gutter was myself so um when I was saying that my brain, my mind and my thoughts were my worst enemy, I had to make my mind become my best friend. So I had to flip it. I had to flip it. And it was hard work. And it, it's still hard work, you know. Um, living with a mental illness, it, it's always going to be there. But um, it's there are ways where you can sort of flip it and it makes you, in a way, I guess, love life rather than hate life <laughs> um so when I was growing up I hated life um I really just didn't want to be here anymore and um so I tried so many times to hurt myself physically um hoping that you know I would disappear because to me I thought no one would even notice if I was gone and so those were the thoughts that would I would always have to battle with even when I went to polytech um you know, made some new friends, got a new identity, tried to change myself up, <laughs> um, even went full-on dyeing my hair blonde. So I thought, you know, I, I did the whole works. I tried to change everything on the outside. But what I didn't realise was I wasn't changing anything on the inside. And so Fyota, who was living in Kawaru growing up, um, self-harming, turned into Fyota in a different town um, thinking she was better, but in reality, she was actually getting worse. And so I was always in and out of hospital um, from overdoses and stuff like that. Um, 
I do apologize if any of the stuff I'm saying is too triggering for anyone. Um, but yeah, I would always end up in and out of hospital. Um, I think one time I ended up in hospital, um, twice within two weeks and that's how bad I was getting. Um, cause I was getting to the point where I really, really didn't want to be in this world anymore. And, um, it, it was, it was hard work. It was hard work trying to get to a place where I can finally say I'm happy with my life and I'm glad to be here. Um, it's not easy, but for me, um, one of my, I guess one of my anchors that's, um, you know, that I always look to, to remind myself why I'm here is, um, my daughter. So I have a three-year-old daughter now. Um, her name's Savina Jo. And she's, I guess she's in a way my, she's my reason why I'm still here. Um, so everything that happened to me um, is everything that I do not want to happen for her. So I know that if I was to leave this world today, then what does that leave her? You know, I have to be, I have to be a good role model and a good example for her. So, you know, um, as I mentioned at the start, um, one of my, um, one of my main things growing up was I didn't love myself. So now I know that what I need to do is teach my daughter to love herself. Um, and it's things so simple like that, you know, just teaching our young girls that, um, it's okay to look the way you look, you know, it's a, you don't have to change yourself for anyone. Um, and just teaching my daughter to, um, love her for the way she is, even though she's three, but, you know, just trying to, um, build that confidence for her now. So that way when she's 13, she can confidently, confidently walk around and say she loves herself and loves her, um, the way she was born and the way she is and stuff like that. Um, I guess another thing that um, helps me to um, cope with things as well is having a purpose. So once again, um, helping young people, uh, particularly young young people who um, who I can see myself through. So like young people now who are going through the exact same stuff that I did growing up, um, just wanting to help them is um, something I'm really, really passionate about because um, now looking, looking back at all of, the, all of that stuff now, I've come to realise the amount of people that I could possibly have hurt. So um, I remember... At the time, I don't remember, but now I remember that I had freaked my mum out so many times. Um, and because she was still here in Kowaro and because she can't drive, you know, and every time she would get a phone call at three o'clock in the morning saying that I was in hospital again, um, I must have freaked the shit out of her. And um, I, 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 I don't know how I can um, make it better for her, but thinking about it now and realizing it now, I, I did have people on this earth that loved me. Um, at the time, um, my partner, who I'm still with to this day, um, unfortunately, he found me quite a few times. Um, and he was always the one that rang for help. But 
I, I, I'm grateful to have him in, in my life because there were times where if he didn't find me, then, you know, what could have happened? Um, so I've come to realise that there were people that loved me. It was just I was allowing my brain to feed me all these negative thoughts and I was just accepting it and, yeah. And good on you for um, breaking those intergenerational uh, chains of, of trauma as well for your, for your daughter. Um, you've also been involved in a lot of community work as a youth leader uh, and sharing your experiences to motivate others to do, to do better and to support them on their own journeys. Can you talk us through some of that mahi that you've been involved in within the community, particularly amongst young people? Yeah, so um, I don't know. I guess I've always been into helping people. Um, when I was younger, I had an auntie who was who had polio, um, and so I would always help her out. So, like, I would always help. Um, one example was I used to help cut her toenails because she could never bend to reach her toenails, and I was like 11, 11. You know, normal 11-year-olds are going out, hanging out with their friends. But no, I was <laughs> I was cutting my auntie's toenails. But um, and I guess from there, it kind of um, became the start to a journey of where I wanted to help people. Um, and so when I, I guess a positive from my life when I left high school was um, when I was at Polytech, I got involved in um, different uh, activities. So, you know, like there was one thing I got into was a anti-bullying campaign. And um, that was, I guess in a way, um, their co-papa was to raise awareness and prevention around bullying in schools. And that was a really cool journey. I did that for a couple of years. Um, and then when I came back to Kauru, um, it took a while, but I sort of just threw myself into community work and volunteer youth work. And I guess that's where I found my niche. Um, that's where I kind of found my footing in the world. Um, and yeah, so, uh, for the last few years, I got involved in a, I guess you could say a youth program called the Kawaro Future Leaders, and um, that's run by Inspiring Stories, which is down in Wellington as well. And um, I guess the aim is to help young people realise their potential, um, you know, build their leadership skills, grow their confidence as well. And the amount of young people that I've seen over the last few years grow from that program is just amazing. Um, and yeah, it's, I don't know, it just felt natural to be in that space, to be in that, that space. Um, so one of, one of the amazing things is that you've spoken a lot about um, your pain and how you've been using that to, um, to make change. Actually, um, yeah, I think that that's, super powerful and um, something that we find in the activism space is actually quite common is that a lot of us have 
kind of had some personal experiences that makes us kind of want to make change. And and so one of the things that you did further than that, further than further than the community work that you um, that you went for, or that you do, sorry, is um, you stood as a candidate for local body elections in 2019, um, which is which is amazing. So can you maybe share with us like your experiences, the experiences of Rangatahi standing for election, and maybe, you know, looking back at that, what were some success and challenges um, for you as a young Māori woman standing as a candidate? Yeah, that, that was definitely something I would not have seen myself do when I was younger. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Like, I remember when it was um, coming up to, elect, um, you know, the local elections uh, last year, and a friend of mine, me and a friend of mine, um, she also ran for Fakatani District Council. Um, you know, we were both, we both sat down and we were both chatting, you know, and saying, you know, Maybe, you know, we, we just randomly said maybe we should just throw our hat in the ring. And um, I, I thought about it for a while, you know, because I've, I've never really been into politics, you know, or um, government stuff. But then I was thinking about it and, you know, if if that's a space where I can, where I'm able to put my leg through the door to be able to help people or be able to you know, raise awareness around the stuff that I do um, for other people, then why the hell not? So I thought, okay, I'll throw my name in the hat. And um, <laughs> it was quite a, and it was an interesting journey. Um, I learned a lot of things that I didn't, didn't previously know about. Um, build a lot of connections, which um, is something that I actually really wanted to do. Um, there were other can. There was another candidate who um, who I got really close to, um, and she's um, a, she's from the disability community, and so both myself and her values they kind of matched each other, and so it was kind of cool, you know, um, being able to cross paths in that journey. Um, and yeah, um, even though I didn't make it onto the onto the council, um, I don't see it as a loss. Um, even when, even at the time, I still didn't see it as a loss. Um, the reason why I say that is because, um, for me, I see it as a game, not for me personally, not for, but for myself, because it gave me some insights and um, new knowledge. But I saw it as a win for all young people because um, I was able to show other young people that council isn't just for old people. Um, and after running, um, I, I've so far come across um, two other young ladies here in Kowaro who also want to run for council in another three years now, um, simply because they saw that if I can do it, they now too believe that they can do it. And so in a way I see it as a win because um, I think we do need more youth representation on those sort of, at those sort of tables. So yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, no, that's, that is really interesting. I, I was involved uh, here in Pōneke uh, in the Hutt Valley 
helping out a, a young fellow who ended up becoming the youngest mayor in New Zealand, Campbell Barry. Um, he's the mayor of Lower Hutt. So, um, and he had a few challenges as well as a young person running for office. And then, of course, in Wellington, we've got Tamifa Paul, who's a young Māori woman um, who got elected onto the Wellington City Council, and she's doing some amazing stuff there. Uh, so there are there's some encouraging signs with young people putting their names forward. What do you think needs to be done to encourage more rangatahi uh, to put their names forward to stand for office at local or, or even central government level? Yeah, yeah. No, I think Tamitha is cool. Um, another one that I thought was really awesome was Sophie, who got onto the Kapiti um, Council. Um, I know Sophie quite well. Um, she's she's awesome. She's awesome. I'm glad um, both ladies got on. Got on. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, to encourage young people when it comes to government stuff, um, it's a hard one. I mean. I don't. I can only speak um, on behalf of young people from smaller communities because um, I'm not too sure if it's the same for young people in bigger communities, like in the cities and stuff. But um, one thing I've I've come to realise um, from our smaller communities is that our young people don't know anything about politics or councils or government, like literally nothing. I um, met a young boy last year. Um, he was 15 at the time. Um, he didn't know who our prime minister was. And um, that's, that's Kapai. That's not his fault. Um, but the problem is you can see there's a gap there. There's a gap that needs filling. Our young people don't know anything to do with politics. And I I don't know, I've, <laughs> I've come across so many people with their theories, um, but I guess one of them could possibly be is because we're just not teaching them enough or we're not allowing them to know, maybe. I don't know how the schools roll these days. Um, I did speak to someone who works from the elections um, earlier this year and I spoke to them about um, doing high school visits. Um, I'm not... They said that they had never done one at the um, high school here in Kaurau, and I was like, "Why? Like, you know, it's it's important. You know, we've got eighteen-year-olds there, or soon to be seventeen-year-olds that, you know, it's not that we we need to force this type of knowledge on them, but we need to at least give them the opportunity to know what's what and what voting means and." Um, how they can use that to make an impact in the world, I guess. Yeah, totally. And I love how um, you said even just you running in that space, it didn't, um, you didn't get on, but you opened up so many eyes in Kawaro to, to run. Um, and that probably started so many conversations as well as about what is local body elections and what is, um, you know, central government and, and stuff like that, which is um, really some really important points because, um, as you say, there isn't enough education out there. Um, and, and at times, it's of benefit to the people who are up higher if, um, if people who need to know about why is it why it's important to them don't know about it, eh? Yeah. Um, what's coming up next for you? You know, so you've obviously got a lot going on. You're part of this Inspiring Leaders. Um, you know, you did a lot in 2019. What's coming up for Fire Order? Um. 
Oh, what's coming up for Fauda? Oh, I guess one of the major ones is um, we will be having a baby in five weeks. <laughs> so, um, thank you. I'm currently 35 weeks pregnant. So, five more weeks and then I'll be able to um, not waddle like a duck anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but um, other than that, um, I guess from the type of mahi I do, what's next is. Um, so I'm looking at holding um, workshops uh, here in Kawaru, um specifically to help uh, young wahine who um, might need a bit of a a bit of um, an empowerment boost. So um, I I managed to get some funding a while ago from the council. Um, to do a workshop where I teach young girls um, to write love letters to themselves. So I'm still in the um, planning and organising stage, but hoping to get that up and running sometime soon. <laughs> so, yeah, that's – and I, I don't know, I guess just carry on with what I do, um, you know, for both – my daughter and you know our young our young people here, here in um, Kawaru, and throughout as well. So yeah, cool, awesome. And um, if there's any way that our listeners can support any of the mahi that you do, we'll we'll chuck something we'll chuck something up when we put the podcast episode up. Eh? Oh, cool. Thank you. <laughs> That'll be cool. Um, so I just, because what we do normally is we wrap, we go straight into some quick fire questions, which are quite lighthearted, um, and, um, that we, you know, kind of can have a laugh to, to wrap up. But before we do that, I wanted to, um, I've touched on this already, but some of the things that you've shared here, um, have been very heavy and, uh, are very deep and super meaningful. I mean, if, if you've made me feel the way that I feel, then I can imagine, uh, that you've touched a lot of people with some of the some of the amazing things that you've spoken about. So um, I wanted to just hold the space first before we move on um, to acknowledge some of the hard times that you've been through and the way that you've turned that out into some some very powerful work um, in your small community of Kawaro, but also um, in the ways that it's got out uh, to, to us and hopefully um, through your mahi that you continue to do, I can see that you um, are definitely a wave maker and are going to continue making waves. Um, and obviously, uh, your your peppy that's on the way uh, and your beautiful <laughs> daughter that you've already got, if they're going to be anything as, as strong as and amazing as you are, um, they're going to be some awesome kids. So again, thank you for that. No, that that's that's okay. Um, I, I do. I should have actually mentioned at the start. You know, if I just in case I was to mention anything triggering. But, um, yeah, I, I try and word my sentences sometimes in a way where it's not going to um, fully upset people sometimes. But, yeah, I do apologise if that happens. No, no, we, we totally expected it, and we'll put a, we'll put a um, trigger warning before our podcast too, but we shouldn't have to dilute our real experiences, eh? So I don't yeah. want you to... I don't want you to feel as though you've maybe got been too too much because you're talking about real life things and that's really important for us to talk about. Yeah. Cool. But on awesome. that note, let's go on to some quick fire questions. Anadu, you want to start? Quick fire questions, yeah. So as Yana said, we do this uh, in every episode with our guests. Just some lighthearted questions. So I'll begin with the first one. 
If you could travel back in time, what period would you go to? Oh, um, I kind of like the olden days. Like you know the way they used to dress. Um, oh, how would I say? I, I I don't I don't even know if it happened back in the days. My I, I always skipped history class at school, so I'm. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I thought it was boring. Like I thought the way it was taught was boring. But from movies, um, you know, I really like um the Rock of Ages movie and whether that actually was true back in those days i'd probably like to go back to that time i I thought that was a really cool movie nice Nice. um so we know that you're very much into writing but um is there anything that you're currently reading or listening to like a um a book or a podcast or hint hint Um, no you don't have to drop us (laughs) (laughs) well obviously the waves podcast you know that's where everyone needs to be um, <laughs> but actually I am reading a book at the moment. Um, it's hard to read when you've got a three-year-old who wants you to read her books, which is perfectly okay. Um, but, uh, Stop Surviving, Start Fighting by Jazz Thornton, um, who is the co-founder of Voices of Hope. Um, so basically her, she, she's exactly the same. Her book is, um, her sharing her story about um, surviving um, suicide, basically. So I thought it's a really nice book. Like, I I recommend it. I haven't finished it yet, but getting there. Do you have a favourite piece of clothing, like a piece of clothing that you always love wearing? Oh, I guess so. Um, I'm always wearing um, my Tupac leather jacket. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that sounds mean. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I mean, who doesn't like Tupac, eh? Come on. <laughs> um, what is your favourite season and why? So like summer, winter? Oh, that one's easy, summer. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I hate winter. I hate the rain. I hate I hate that you have to wear so many layers because I look like a marshmallow because I'm so short. So I, I just look like a big balloon. Um, summer, I love summer. You know, you can eat ice cream, all the ice cream in the world. You can go to the beach. So definitely summer, hands down. Are you a morning person or a night owl? No, I, I, I hate the mornings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whereas um, I guess, you know, with um, uni and stuff, um, it's kind of turned me into a night owl. So I can stay up all hours of the night. And it's more peaceful too. You know, the kids are asleep, the man child's asleep. <laughs> so I get the house to myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the man child. Um, and you can only eat one food for a week. What is it? Oh, I love food, so I have no idea. But I will pick something. Um, lately, my biggest craving has been Hershey pies from Burger King. So if oh, I could, yes. Yeah, if I could spend a whole week just eating those, I think it would be heaven. I think, <laughs> yeah, it would be perfect. Great. Thank you. I think that wraps up all of our quickfire questions. So just one of them, that wraps up our, our podcast episode. So fai ora, uh, tēnā koe te tuahine, mō tō taenga mai, ki rongi tō uh, pūrongo, uh, ki te whakawhiti kōrero, and also thank you so much for sharing your, your powerful story, um, which I'm sure is going to be very inspirational to, to mm-hmm. others out there. And um, thank you also to the work and the 
awesome mahi that you do out in the community uh, with young people uh, and the mahi that you do in, in Kawero as well. So, ngamahi nui kia koe hoa, Yana, any final words? No, yeah, just just again, thank you for uh, for joining us and for, for sharing your story. Uh, it's very moving and so um, look forward to, to sharing your story. Ia manuia. Thank you for listening to Wave Makers podcast. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe.